Welcome to Microsoft Mechanics. Coming up, a look at shielded virtual machines, new with Windows Server 2016 Hyper-V, that offers protection for virtual machines against malicious Hyper-V admins and malware attacks in both public and private cloud. We explore how they protect against a variety of attack vectors, how you ensure the Hyper-V fabric that's running your shielded VMs is healthy, and how you build an infrastructure that runs shielded VMs, a guarded fabric. I'm joined today by Dean Wells, the PM lead for Shielded VMs. Welcome. Thank you very much, Matt. Now, VMs have been around for a while, but what are we trying to solve for with Shielded Virtual Machines? Well, you're right. VMs have been around for a long, long time. Uh, we've got some issues with uh, Shielded Virtual Machines. We see customers virtualizing just about everything they can these days, from SharePoint to SQL to Active Directory domain controllers. But consider this, when these workloads ran on bare metal, we'd physically secure them. We'd put them in cages with padlocks. We'd put the padlock cage into a physical data center. We'd have security guards patrolling the data center. Uh, we might even use TPMs to encrypt their disks. How do you do any of that with virtual machines? So I see your point, but couldn't I just put the Hyper-V servers in the data center? Mm, yeah, you absolutely should. The Hyper-V servers themselves still require those same physical securities. But what about all of the admins that administer that, the fabric admins? We've got a variety of different admins. We've got network admins, we've got backup admins, you've even got printer admins and disk admins. They've all got access to those virtual machines because they can ultimately gain access to the VHDs on the disk. So what if they decided to copy 10, 20, 30 of those VHDs off onto a tiny little USB stick, you wouldn't even know they'd done it. Does, does that make you feel secure? So if I'm the fabric admin for my virtualization host, I've pretty much got the keys to the kingdom. But this isn't specific to Hyper-V. This is all virtualization platforms, right? Absolutely, yeah. This problem is not unique to Hyper-V. But the solution itself, that's absolutely unique to Hyper-V. It's what we've been working on for the past two, three, maybe even four years. So obviously, you and I have talked about this problem. Why don't I go ahead and show you exactly what it is that happens when a malicious host tries to attack and gain some of the secrets of tenant virtual machines? Cool. OK. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I've logged on to this host. I'm a legitimate admin for whoever the public cloud provider is, and I've logged on using my administrative privileges. This is running a lot of tenant virtual machines. I want to gain some of their secrets, so I'll run standard Windows tools. Here I've got the Windows Disk Manager. I'll select the Action menu. Attach VHD. I'm going to browse around the file system until I find the one that I'm interested in. Active Directory Domain Controller 1, conveniently named. I'll go ahead and I'll mount that. And you can see that it's actually titled System and Secrets. It's very handy. I'll open it up. And for those of you that know Active Directory, you'll recognize the folder structure on this disk. It's got an NTDS folder, which is where Active Directory's database goes, and a Sysfold folder where we store group policies and scripts and stuff. The malicious admin would come into here. They would copy that file off onto a USB stick. They would then close all this down, and you're none the wiser. They then take that home, and they can download one of seven, I think, at last count, tools from the internet, rather. They're publicly available. They've been around for almost a decade. And they sit there, and they brute force passwords against the Active Directory database until such time as they find a match. Once they've got a match, they go ahead and they record that into a password dump file that looks something like this. Obviously, this is not a real one. You can see I fabricated some of the names. That's mm -hmm. not my real Mary Poppins password. <laughs> but it would take, say, four to five days for it to yield some level of results around 10 to 12 or maybe even 13. So is this scenario specific to a virtualized domain controller? This applies to any workload that the virtual machine might be running. It could be SQL. It could be SharePoint. It could even be a file server. I can pull off any content that it's got. So how do shielded VMs solve this problem? 
Okay, so what we do with shielded VMs is we create what we refer to as a trustworthy fabric, or better phrased, a guarded fabric, that enforces strong isolation boundaries between the host and its own virtual machines. So that literally means the host itself can't even get at the, machines, the virtual machine's data. So let me show you what I mean by repeating the same demo. So if we come back now, I'll dismount that disk that we mounted last time, so we've only got one mounted, and now I'll take on a different persona. Mm -hmm. Let's imagine that I'm the tenant now. I want to create a shielded VM because I know what happened last time around and I was not very happy with it. So I'm going to go ahead and create a shielded VM. So I'll go into the web browser and I'll go off and browse to my public host provider. So let's imagine it's a public host this time around. So I'll go ahead and log on. And this is the Azure Pack user interface. It's fully enlightened with an understanding of shielded VMs. Ultimately, what's going to come up is the Azure Pack UX. And I'm going to go into that user experience and I'm going to say create a new VM. And that is the point where I can fork the path from a regular VM to a shielded VM. So here's how we do that. I'll go over to the Virtual Machines node on the left-hand side. And here you see me click on New. I'll go ahead and say Standalone Virtual Machine, and I'll do it from Gallery. Nothing different yet. Mm -hmm. This is regular yeah, um, VMM exactly and Azure Pack. Yep. And you'll note here that we've got two standard templates by virtue of these icons here. And then here I've got a special icon. This took our developers absolutely minutes to come up with. It's a shield. They'll click on that, and that means it's a shielded template. That's the cue that tells me it's different. I'll click on Next. And then I've got to select the shielding data. Well, this is owned by the IT department. IT departments usually own domain controllers because they're core infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But of course, that begs the question, what exactly is shielding data? Well, if you think about it, when you create a new VM in Azure and you're using a UX that looks similar to this, one of the things you have to provide it is a password. Well, it wouldn't make sense if you're trying to create a virtual machine that is protected from an admin. Why would you type the password into a web form when that web form is owned by the very admin you're trying to protect it from. You've mm -hmm. given them the keys from the start. Yep. Shielding data is a big lump of secrets that tenants upload to the fabric. The admins can't decrypt it because it's encrypted with tenant keys, and it carries all of those secrets along and injects them into the virtual machine at deployment time. I click on Next, connect it to a network, and we're done. That's it. Shielded virtual machine created. Easy. Yep. All right, so that's sitting there creating. So why don't I go ahead and show you exactly what this looks like when I try and do that same attack against the Shielded VM. Mm. So I'm going to go back into the same tool. This is, again, the Disk Administrator tool. Remember, I'm the malicious admin now. I'm not the, not the nice tenant anymore. I'm the, ma the malicious admin. I'm going to go Action, Attach Disk, exactly as I did last time. Browse, and this time I'm going to pick the disk that we just assigned to that Shielded VM. But this time around, the disk is going to be encrypted because the VM is shielded. So the admin would open it mount it in the same way they did, and the first indication that they get that they can't do anything is it says it's BitLocker encrypted. Nonetheless, they're persistent, they're going to try again. They click on Open, and they get Access is Denied. Mm, that's not enough yet, though. So they'll go into Windows Explorer, they'll go to this PC, and they'll scroll down a little, and you can see here that I've got a local disk, which is the one I just mounted. This is the tenant's Active Directory Domain Controller disk, and look, it's got a padlock on it. I double-click on it, and it now says, enter the password to unlock this drive. Well, obviously, I'm the malicious admin. I don't have BitLocker's recovery password, so I can't get in that way. So they give up on this path, and they try the universal security bypass prompt. So they run the command prompt, they go to drive F, and still it doesn't work. They can't gain access to this disk because the disk is encrypted, and they don't have the keying material. But this is a very, very determined admin, so he decides, I'm going to try and take a look at its console. I'll see if there's anything that I can learn from its console session. So they go into Hyper-V, and here we go. I'll bring up the Hyper-V manager. Before I do that, though, let me just remind you of what it looks like when you do this with a regular VM. You can see here I've got a domain controller. It's called Fabric AD. That's part of this overall guarded fabric that we're using to demo this. If I double-click on that, you can see that it brings up a VM console connection. 
I can mimic its keyboard, I own its mouse, and I can see obviously everything that's going on with its video memory. If you think about it, that gives me access to steal secrets. Sure, I'd have to be a fairly advanced attacker, but this is another path to attack it. Now let's try that same thing with our shielded VM here. If I double click that guy, you'll notice it says you can't connect to it. Well, you'll also notice down the bottom here that what it actually shows you is no thumbnail. We're not even allowed to inspect its video memory, let alone attach a console connection to it. We can't steal its keyboard, we can't mimic its mouse. That's all disabled by virtue of it's a shielded VM. It switches off other technologies too, such as PowerShell Direct. So hang on a sec though, if you've disabled the console, I as a Hyper-V admin, I'm forever forgetting to enable RDP, so can I connect to this VM? You can connect to the VM in a regular manner via RDP. That's what you would normally expect to do. But we also created a mode because we heard feedback from a large number of customers that they still want the ability in certain scenarios, such as an enterprise fabric where they do trust the fabric admins, but they want to encrypt the VM for perhaps compliance purposes. We have another mode called encryption supported. And the encryption supported mode means I trust the fabric admin, but I want the VM's data and state encrypted both at rest and while it's being live migrated perhaps on the wire, and the fabric admin gets to turn on which protections they do and do not want. Right, and does this only apply to VMs that we're deploying fresh or can this be applied to existing virtual machines? We would like to say that you can only do this with new VMs because if you deploy a VM as shielded from birth, then it is secure from the outset, very, very difficult to attack it. However, if you convert a VM, well, you could argue that the malware was put on before the conversion occurred. Well, customers still want to do it because they, could, they will bless the machine themselves and say, yeah, I believe that to be safe. So we support something internally, we call it grandfathering. Effectively, it means you can convert an existing generation two VM to shield it at any point you so choose, as long as it's running on Windows Server 2016 and it's a guided host. Nice, so we've seen it in action, but give us some indication and insight into what's going on behind the scenes. Okay. So let's take a look here. We've got uh, what we refer to, as I said, a guarded fabric, and you can see we've broken down the component parts here. So let's take a look at the first one, code integrity. We need code integrity in a guarded fabric because if a virtual machine is to be protected from malicious admins and malware and attacks like that, then we have to be able to trust that the host is doing what we developed it to do. If somebody actually attacks that code, then the code is now doing what they developed it to do, which may or not be protecting the VM. We use code integrity and a process called attestation where we measure code integrity policies on the machine and all of the things that loaded when it booted to make sure that they're doing what we expect it to be doing, i.e. the machine is healthy. The next thing that we need in this is something called virtual secure mode. Now many people may have heard of this in a different way. It's sometimes called isolated user mode or VBS, virtualization based security. This is common to Windows 10 and Windows Server 2016, and this is like a little safe in the corner of every machine, and it cordons off or fences off memory so that malware or even an admin can't gain access to that memory. And then tiny little components run in there called trustlets. Very cutesy term, but they're the super secure, super sensitive pieces of code that handle all the crypto operations and we store all the keying material in there. So we use that to keep the keys out of the grasp of the malware and the malicious admins. The next piece is we have both physical and synthetic TPMs. The reason that that uh, VM's disk is encrypted is because it thinks it's got a TPM. It's a virtual TPM. It's not bound to the TPM on the host though. The host has a TPM for its own purposes, but the two aren't coupled together. There's no relationship between the physical TPM in the Hyper-V host and the virtual TPM inside the guest. The Hyper-V host uses its physical TPM to secure its own disks, so they can be bit lockered and its keys can be sealed to its own TPM, and so we can use secure measured boot. Right. Next part the host guardian service. This is where that attestation piece that I mentioned earlier on for code integrity comes into play. Basically, this guy has 
two roles. He's a key protection service and an attestation service. It's a brand new role in Windows Server 2016, and we would typically expect customers to stand this up as a three-node cluster. Every time a Hyper-V host comes up, it has to talk to this guy, both attesting and key protection services, in order to be able to use shielded VMs. Now, I can show you exactly what that looks like here. So if you take a look at this guarded host, we can see it's got a shielded VM, which is colored red because it's not yet powered on. There's obviously a host operating system running here. Here's our lovely little safe in the corner, virtual secure mode that's got that fenced off memory and little mm -hmm. trustlets running inside there for all the sensitive and secret operations. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and power that shielded VM on. So an admin goes, power on. The first thing that the guarded host does is send over a key request. I need you to decrypt something so I can power this shielded VM on. But the host guardian server says, I don't trust you. You haven't attested. So basically, it's saying, attest. Tell me that you're healthy. The guarded host says, oh, my bad. Let me send over my TCG log. The TCG log is it's a log of all of the things that comprised the boot events and then what the operating system did when it loaded up. Mm -hmm. And that is then recorded, and each of them is measured into a TPM. We send that TCG log over to the attestation service, who then replays the TCG log and reaches back into the TPM of the guarded host to see that the measurements in the TCG log and the results in the TPM are the same. We also send over our code integrity policy to make sure it's only allowed to run the trustworthy code that we deemed healthy. At this point, because the host guardian says, yep, thumbs up, that's all good, it sends back this nice certificate of health, and over it goes. At which point, the guarded host is right. I've attested. I've got a certificate of health. Let me try it again. Please give me the keys to power on shielded VM. So it sends over its certificate of health. The host guardian's attestation service examines that and goes, yes, that looks good to me, and it's still valid. It hasn't expired yet. At which point, it decrypts certain state of that shielded VM, re-encrypts it to the virtual secure mode of the guarded host, and sends it back over to the guarded host, who then puts it inside his VSM, gives it to the VTPM trustlet. All of it gets decrypted. It injects the TPM into the shielded VM, and the shielded VM boots up and does whatever the shielded VM is going to do. In our case, it might be Windows Server 2016 running as a domain controller with an encrypted disk. Now, when it comes to virtualization fabrics, admins use templates to accelerate deployment. So couldn't I just infect the virtualization templates? Mm. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the whole system. The template points to a disk, right? What we do is, before that disk is deployed for a shielded VM, we have a trustworthy individual sign it. And then at deployment time, we recompute that signature. But that signature was packaged into the shielding data, and which was encrypted. You remember me saying that earlier on. It gets unpackaged in VSM. And we compare the recomputed signature against the pre-computed signature that was built by the trustworthy admin. If they match, all is good. If they don't, somebody tampered with the disks, and we are bought. So this is incredibly clever stuff. And we've talked about how you build a guarded fabric, what it looks like, how it works. But what we haven't talked about is some of the, the operating systems that are supported with this. Right out of the gate, it has to be generation two. I mentioned that earlier on that we require generation two VMs. So currently, we support things that support Gen 2, which is Server 2012, Server 2012 R2, Windows 8, Windows 8.1, Windows 10, Server 2016, as guest OSs. And what about Azure? Uh, Azure itself doesn't yet support shielded VMs, but we're working hard to uh, actually get Azure with a full shielded VM offering. I can't give you a timeline as to when that's going to be because we've got a large number of steps to, to go through before we get there. But Azure already has an encrypted disk offering. It's actually cleverly called Azure Encrypted Disk, and that provides you encryption for compliance purposes, and you can use that today. Well, thanks, Dean. That's all we've got time for. If you want to try the shielded VMs today, you can download the preview now, and keep checking back on Microsoft Mechanics for more updates. Thanks for watching. <laughs>